Well, good morning. I, you know, I was telling, uh, who was I talking to? Marietta. We were chatting about the men's retreat, and I was there yesterday. And uh, ladies, you'll know exactly what I'm going to say. Men often don't go that deep. And it was great. The guys who uh, put it together um, did a phenomenal job at just causing men to reflect on the deeper things that really are important as we walk with Jesus. Well, as was mentioned, Kevin DeFelice is my name, my wife Katie. Both of us grew up in the Northeast on either side of New York City. Uh, I was actually born in Manhattan. If you can dig out my old birth certificate, my mom was a nurse on the Upper West Side at a hospital, and I was actually born there. Um, my wife was born up in Hartford, Connecticut, and we met and fell in love at the University of Connecticut long before it was known for basketball. Uh, back in those days, it was known for soccer. We had an amazing soccer program. But uh, come from the New York area, in fact, New York is just so much fun to be around. It, although Thursday, I was in the city doing some business for the Navigators, and if you were in the city on Thursday, it was a sloppy, wet morning, and you know everybody's got an umbrella, and you're dodging each other, and I thought, oh my gosh. And then in the afternoon, it was beautiful. It was amazing. We've been with the Navigators for 35 years. We're into our 35th year. And as was mentioned, uh, years ago in the 80s, we attended here when the church just got into this building. And so we've been supported as missionaries from the church for 27 years of those 35 years with the organization of the Navigators. Let me give you a quick little personal update of our ministry. And we've got a couple of slides here. A few weeks ago, uh, the guy who's the... Um, campus director for the Navigator Ministry at Penn State University, the State University of New Jersey, um, invited me to come for their fall retreat. So here you, we got, we'll pop it up here, the slide. Um, oh, good. <laughs> There's Katie. And I want you to meet on the right side, Don and Janet Lenz. So Morgan Forney, who is the campus director, said, Kevin, would you come back? We're celebrating the Navigators being at Penn State for 50 years. You were there in the 80s. C come on back and help us begin to celebrate legacy. Well, Don works in the uh, School of Arts and Architecture at Penn State, and he actually and his wife, Janet, Don and Janet, came to a personal faith in Jesus Christ while they were there and were discipled in the ministry. They were in the class of 89. So I said, Donnie, let's do this together. Let's just have some fun with this. Let's do it together. So he taught a session. We talked the first night together, the four of us, kind of looking back. And here we are years later, remembering, who is this Jesus like? The theme of the weekend was, let's get to know Jesus better. Uh, go to the next one. And part of what Morgan Forney, the campus director, wanted to do was to kind of also talk about legacy, the intentionality of discipling generations. So on the left side, you've got Don and Janet and their two kids, Kelly and Margie, who are involved with the ministry of the Navigators at Penn State. But on the right side, I'll introduce you to Tim and Ann on the far right. Uh, Tim actually was in the class of 85. Ann went to Bucknell. And both of them were involved in the ministry. And Tim came to Christ, and it was really interesting. His junior summer as a college student, he went back to his little Methodist church in Freedens, Pennsylvania, just a little town, under 1,000 people living in this little town. And his life was on fire for Jesus Christ. 
So it turned out that particular weekend, um, he got to share his story in a Sunday school class where what happened was his little sister standing next to Katie, Janet, in the class of 89 became a Christian. So it was just so cool. I mean, and Tim, you'll notice the two on his, let's see, his left, those are two of his kids who are now walking with Jesus and having a part in the ministry. And you know what? It's not about the navigators. I mean, the, the idea of making disciples was Jesus's idea, not the navigators. Matthew 28 was the command that Jesus gave us. So the last one is kind of a fun, welcome to the class of 2018. So here they come, the freshmen. And part of my work has me raising funds to help provide scholarships so students can attend the conference. So I got them all together and I said, hey, we want to say to a bunch of friends who gave so you could be here, thank you. Well, buried in that mash of faces, I want you to find a little Asian girl right smack in the middle, Celine. Celine is a freshman at Penn State from Indonesia. And we got to talking and she said, I said, Celine, tell me a little bit about your family. Why Penn State? Why are you here? You've come a long way. Well, it turns out that her parents are Buddhists. She grew up in a Buddhist home, and her parents decided to send her to a Catholic grade school because it was a good school, and a Protestant secondary school because it was a good school, and now to Penn State. And as we got to talking, I thought, oh my gosh, you have such a mishmash of a faith story. And it was obvious in a few minutes that this idea of Jesus was brand new. So I don't know where Celine will land, but this is often what happens at these conferences. Um, she went away with a bunch of friends, and this weekend will probably be a pivotal turning point in her life. I'm really excited to hear the story of as Celine goes forward into college. Well, you've been talking through the book of Philippians, one of my favorites. This is such a great book. Uh, John told me that the theme you've had is thrive. We could easily put on this the book of joy. It's uh, so different than, say, the book of Romans, which has more of a theological approach to it. You've been through a number of different chapters, and I understand last week, I'm not going to duplicate the oratory of our friend in New York. I mean, I heard this was amazing. But this morning, my task is to focus in on chapter three just a little bit more. And I've decided if you want to take notes or if you've got a mobile device, I see some Bibles around. We're going to go through the text a bit this morning. And we're going to talk this morning, and I've decided to title this chapter, Choose Joy. Choose Joy. Paul says it like this at the beginning, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Choose joy. Choose joy. As we go through this, I'm going to have just a simple little outline. So if you follow these points along, we'll start out and talk about find your identity in Christ, press on to know Christ, and then lastly, celebrate your citizenship. So we'll kind of dig into this a little bit. Choose joy. Choose joy. In fact, let me stop for a minute and just pray for us as we open God's word. Father, what a delight to have the freedom to just open your word. This word that will never come back void 
this word that has the ability to change and shape our thinkings, to get and dissect the issues in our lives, to go down to the joint and marrow of our souls. This word that gives us strength, this word that gives us joy. Jesus, you referred to it as living waters. And I pray this morning that we would drink deeply into your word and your word would shape our minds, transform our hearts, and cause us to be your people and to live just abundantly in the life you've given us. So thank you for the chance this morning with friends to open your word, not my words, your words. Spirit of God, give us insight and wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this first one, find your identity in Christ. Now, I want to refer back. We're not going to turn there. But it's interesting, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, which is where the church of the Philippians is birthed, Paul ends up coming over, had a vision to come and help. He shows up, and as was his custom on a, on a Sunday, or a Sabbath day, it was most likely the Saturday, he decided to go down to the riverside to find a place of prayer. And when he was there, and I know you've been through this, but just to remind us, he meets a woman named Lydia. And Lydia is this woman who has her own little entrepreneurial business. She makes purple fabric. And you get the sense that this is a woman of capacity and talent and ambition. Well, in the midst of it all, you know what happens. Lydia comes to a faith in Jesus Christ. And then as Paul begins to move around through Philippi, the, the next person who comes to faith in the story is there's a slave girl that someone has, uh, she was demon-possessed, and she would tell prophecies. And she's kind of following Paul. And Paul just gets agitated and drives the spirit out of her. And her masters get mad because now they've lost their livelihood from this fortune teller. And before you know it, Paul ends up in jail. This is all in Acts chapter 16. If this is, wow, this is interesting. Go back and read it. It's an amazing story. So now Paul's in jail, and that night, you remember the story, they're singing and praising God in jail, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake, and the doors open, and the jailer is beside himself to figure out, what? <laughs> I'm going to lose my life here, not from these prisoners, but from my responsibility that I failed, because all these men have gotten loose. Well, Paul says, settle down, settle down, and the guy turns to Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? And sure enough, the jailer comes to Christ. So you see what's happened. We've got these three very different people. They end up in the jailer's home. Now here's the piece I want you to catch. The magistrate of that region finds out a little bit about Paul and decides, you know, we ought to get rid of this guy carefully. Let's just let him, just, would you just leave the area? So they're trying to push Paul out of town quietly. And as you read the story, Paul just kind of steps up and says, no, 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 no. I'm a Roman citizen. This is not the way you treat me. This is not what this is all about. You know, you need, you got laws and, you know, you need to honor my citizenship and so on and so forth. And you get this sense that there's an arrogance in Paul. I don't think I'm reading into the text too randomly here. But what I find is, and if you put this into context, all of this took place right around 50 AD. Paul writes the book of Philippians 12 years later. 
back to this little church. He's been there twice. And my question is, I see a different Paul in this chapter. What happened to this guy in 12 years? Coming back to this first point, find your identity in Christ, I'd like to suggest a couple of things from this passage that might help us do that. The first is in verse 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in viewing the surpassing value of Jesus Christ. I think the first thought I'd have is, it's this little phrase, count. I think Paul threw away his credentials. In fact, he goes on to talk about, you know, I could have all this stuff. I'm a Hebrew, a Pharisee. I've got all this stuff on my resume, but he threw it away. I love the way Eugene Peterson writes this. It's really great. In verse 7, listen to what he says. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing away in the trash. And I think the idea that he's communicating here is take your resume and just rip it up. Your resume is worthless in the kingdom of heaven. It means nothing. Count it loss. The focus is Jesus Christ. The focus is not your resume. Some of you are familiar, and I I didn't realize this until a few years ago, with the little phrase S period D period G period. If you're into music, you know Bach and... um, and also Handel used to sign all of their stuff with this S period, D period, G period. It means in Latin, soli deo gloria. Soli deo gloria. To the glory of God alone. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's not about your resume. Count things lost. Maybe the question to ask ourselves here is, what are we known for? You know, I think as I continue to walk humbly through life, I just find some of the stuff I used to boast about or stand up a little tall about or think it was really cool or that state record that I had years ago or whatever. I thought, you know, soli deo gloria. Am I a child of the king? Find your identity in Christ. You know, Paul also embraced Christ's righteousness in verse 9. This is an interesting little thought. You've gone over this a little bit already. He goes on to say in verse 9, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but a righteousness, faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Growing up in a Catholic tradition, uh, which, by the way, I'm so grateful for in my life, um, I find that there's a pension inside of me to do things. Some of you have that tradition in your family. You know what I'm talking about. There's always this something I'm doing. And as Katie and I have worshipped more in a Protestant tradition for many years, I find it's not just the Catholics, but there's a sense of earning my worth before God. And you know, Paul embraced Christ's righteousness. He threw it all away. It's more about being than it is about doing. Now, we'll talk in a moment, all this stuff is good to do. But where's the motivation of it? That it's going to be in my resume? It's going to be on LinkedIn, those of you who use it, so I can brag about who I am? 
count everything as loss. Embrace Christ's righteousness. And then lastly, this little thought about finding your identity in Christ is focus and know him. In 10 and 11, he talks about that, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, that I may know him. You know, lately I've been asking myself, do I really know this Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Is my life characterized by knowing him? I can remember back as a uh, college student, because I shared this with the, fr- the students at Penn State the other couple weeks ago. I remember back as a student my freshman year, laying on a hillside, growing up and wanting to know who God was, but not even sure I ever could. I had a journal. I should have brought it. I, I actually wrote in a journal. You know, Lord, I want to get to know who you are. I don't know how to do that. But I know you're out there somewhere. Can I actually know who you are? The Apostle Paul focused, his focus in life was to know Jesus. And you know what? I can stand here before you today, many decades later, and say, you know what? This Jesus is worth knowing. I just am amazed. I look back and smile at walking with a God who cares for me that I never thought was there. Walking with a God who hears my prayers that are uttered not in some formal setting, but as I drive down the road and lean my heart towards him. I am amazed at a God who provides for me. I'm amazed at a God who works in the stuff in my life and changes it from the inside out. When I've been trying to change it from the outside in for a long time, and suddenly I find, oh, I look a little different. Soli Deo Gloria. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Find it in him and only in him. I love this little phrase in Acts chapter 4. There's a great little passage here. I hope this might be true of my life and yours. The early disciples, it was a wild time when you read those first couple chapters. Listen to this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be just an amazing quality in your life? That someone would see in you the countenance or the heart of a king that's in you, but it's really Jesus. When Moses used to meet in the temple, in in the tent with uh, God, he would come out and his face would shine. My prayer is that in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that we behold in a mirror and little by little, our image fades away. And we begin to see Jesus Christ. Choose joy. And can I suggest one of the things that Paul talks about is find your identity in him. Well, how do you get to know him? This is a lifetime pursuit. I think first, the second point is press on to know him. Press, lean into it, step out, reach. In verses 12 and 13, Paul says, and this is the first point about knowing him, recognizing you're not there yet. Not that I've already obtained it or have become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of. Brethren, I do not regard myself of having laid hold of it yet. 
I think one of the first things we can do as we press on to know Christ is recognize we're not there yet. I jotted something in my notes here. The Christian life is a journey that includes an amazing destination. This isn't home. We're passing through. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to going home. But in the meantime, I'm going to press on to know Jesus Christ while I'm here. I think another way that we can press on to know Christ comes out in verse 13. Listen to these words. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. One thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. This idea of forgetting the past, I I don't know about you, I just find, even this morning as I was kind of taking some time to pray through these thoughts and think about it, I got some stuff in my life and I think, oh, Lord, I don't, nah, you know, it's kind of ugly stuff. If I could go back and change it, I would change it in a second. Things I'm ashamed of, things that I've done. And I don't think we need to embellish my resume. I've already ripped it up. It's on the floor. But, Lord, how do I forget the past? I think one thing we can do for sure is let's not miss the past as an opportunity to learn from it. But don't let it define you. Don't let it define you. I think another way we can get beyond the past is to view my past in light of how God sees my past, not as I see it. Psalm 103, 11 and 12. I'm sure you know this verse, but I need to read it to remind us. So view my past through God's eyes. 103, 11 and 12. Listen to this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed my transgressions from us. See, all that stuff that I conjure up in my mind is gone. It's gone. It's not part of who I am. It was nailed to the cross. So I need to look at my past as God looks at it. I love the example of Peter in John chapter 21. Yesterday we talked a little bit at the men's retreat. Here's Peter, the guy who denied Jesus, identified him, and, you know, there he was, and he denied Jesus, and he ran off and wept. And in John chapter 21, you know what happens when they're on the beach and they're going fishing. Peter has a suggestion, let's go fishing. And here they are, they got a little, you know, out in the boat and the Lord is on the shore and he says hey cast your net over there and they cast it over there and catch a whole bunch of fish and you know what Peter does he puts on his cloak and jumps in the water to go to Jesus and I thought you know what he knew he was forgiven now he has an awkward conversation with Christ walking down the beach about the priorities of his life but I thought he ran to Christ may that be true in our lives but there's still stuff in our lives, you know, the idea of pressing on to know Christ, forgetting the past, there's still stuff in our lives that sometimes just clutters it up. And I'd like to commend to you, and if you could pop up that little website, um, when I travel, I often listen to podcasts, and I'm sure some of you, when you run or do something like that, you listen to podcasts. This is an amazing series by Andy Stanley in Alpharetta, Georgia at North Point Community Church. The way Andy talks about it, it's so funny. When He often takes his stuff and puts it online right away. It's called startingoverseries.org. And it's the idea of, you know what, I've, 
can't quite forget my past. I've really messed things up. I, I don't know quite if I can change. This is great to listen to. These are the videos you can download if you want to use it in a small group. The way Andy Stanley would say it, he'd say, you know what? This will be, be up there on the web as long as we have electricity. <laughs> I love it. A great resource. But if you find there are some of those things you haven't turned the corner on yet in your life and you can't quite forget them, and, and you've said, okay, Kevin, got Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. I need to view that as God views it, but I need to work through some more stuff. Can I suggest starting over? This is phenomenal. You will really enjoy it. Thank you very much. So as I find my identity in Christ, as I press on to know him, I get wrapped up in this little bit of a thing. Is it, again, is it my effort to create my righteousness or is it God's effort to change me? You know, it's a bit of a tension. But let me go back in chapter 2 of Philippians and you'll see it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And here's a beautiful promise, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. I, you already touched on this one verse, and we've got to say it again because it fits right here. Philippians 1.6. Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, in me, will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. So you know what? When it comes about this idea of pressing on to know him, when it comes about this idea of stepping in intentionally to recognize that I'm not there yet, to forget the past, to press on towards him, I recognize that as I lean towards Christ, he does the work in my life. Remember I said earlier, this God who I know, sometimes it amazes me. I think, whoa. And you know, sometimes we don't even look in the mirror and recognize our hair's out of place or whatever it may be. I usually have a pattern at home, and some of you guys who've been married for a while will laugh when I say this, but I, I usually dress in the morning, and Katie is often up after I am, but she's awake and says goodbye, and I kind of go, honey, do I look okay? <laughs> There's this moment of, I think I look great, but, and she'll go, honey, that's the wrong shirt, or you know what, I, listen, I know you think you know what you're doing with your clothes, but you really don't, and it's okay. And gentlemen, I've, I've learned, I've learned, this has been a hard lesson, that there's something called an outfit. This is a new concept in a man's vocabulary. But my wife is, helps me deal with my reality. <laughs> oh, my. One last thought on this idea of pressing on to know Jesus. My question is, who are you pressing on with? This Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. 1 John 1, 7, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, says, but if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Did you notice there's not one personal pronoun in a singular fashion in that verse? Think about it. As we walk in the light. So my question is, who are you walking with? My grandson Jackson's eight years old, and recently they have a little running club in second grade, and he's going to run the half mile. So this is the big deal, and all the grandparents and all the parents are there, and thousands of kids, it seemed like, and they take off running. Now, he has never run a competitive race in his life, and I think after about the first halfway through, he realized, I'm probably not going to win. 
So, you know, every kid wants to win, and there's these kids out there, and Jackson realizes, I guess I'm not going to win. So what does he do? Bless his little heart. You'd have to know him. He leans around. He looks around. He finds this other guy who's in the same place, realizing I'm not going to win, and he just starts running with his new friend. And they run together and finish the race. Next weekend, my youngest son, Michael, who's a Marine stationed in San Diego with his wife, Becca, and little girl, Molly, and my son, Math, who, who's a captain in the Air Force, uh, with his two little twins there down in South Carolina, they're going to meet in Washington, D.C. and run the Marine Corps Marathon. And uh, after the first service, somebody came up to me and said, I've run that marathon. <laughs> well, if you want to have some fun, take a look online, some of the history of the Marine Corps Marathon, because you know what? You leave nobody behind. There are stories after stories after stories of somebody who just couldn't finish, and the Marines just carry them to the end. <laughs> it's an amazing race. My question is, who are you running with? Who are you running with? Choose joy. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Press on to know him humbly, intentionally. But the last one I want to share is a little thought, as I mentioned. Celebrate your citizenship. Celebrate your citizenship. It comes out of verse 20. Look at this. This is great. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Celebrate your citizenship. My mother's parents uh, immigrated to the U.S. through Ellis Island. And my grandfather, who was from Austria, came at 16 years old. And if you go to the Ellis Island Memorial, he was so proud of being an American. It's just incredible. He was so proud to have his passport. He was so proud that he could bring Liesl, his little wife from Austria, to come here. And you will find their passports on display at Ellis Island. You have to wander through. There's a lot of stuff there. But there's their picture as little kids in their teenage years who came to the U.S. Carry your passport. Carry it. Recognize. With the students at Penn State, we used some language that was so simple. Getting to know Jesus better, I encouraged them to step in to follow Christ. But you know, everybody steps in to follow Jesus, but there's another dynamic in John chapter 6. Many of his disciples fell away. So I used an analogy. I said, would you step up to be his disciples? Would you live college differently? Would you step into the light? Be his disciples. Recognize who you are. And then the last phrase where we talked about was, would you step out? In Matthew 28, it says, go make disciples. This isn't just about a walking with God. This is about obeying Jesus in the Great Commission. Go intentionally make disciples. Represent the king. A couple weeks ago, I was traveling through Colorado Springs. It was so funny. I've never seen this. I've traveled for many years, uh, and I've just never seen this. There was a woman almost in panic on her face at the airport as I'm, we're going to TSA to check in, you know, through the screening. And she goes, what is this? Where do I go? I have never flown on an airplane. I'm thinking, come on, you're making this up, right? Come on, we all, this, we know the drill here, you know? She was dead serious. She had just driven from Alabama, dropped her 19-year-old son off at Fort Carson, which is an army base, and she was now flying back. She was about in a cold sweat. Who are these people? 
what do I have to do? Do I have to take my clothes off? I mean, it was just bizarre. It was just the most bizarre thing. So I thought I'd have some fun with it. It wasn't that crowded. And, and I, I, I decided just to have some fun with it. I, I, I was going through and I said, hey, this woman has never been on an airplane before. Let's help her get through. You know, so the whole TSA, they stood up and helped her through and explained the whole thing. And it was just really cute. They had a fun time. I doubt they'd ever seen anybody hadn't been through. So then we get to the other side and she says, what do I do next? I'm thinking, oh, this is so sweet. So I said, come on, Katie and I were going to the gate and we're down at a different gate and we took her to her gate. And I said, now here's American Airlines. These are really friendly people. They'll help you. Just ask them questions. They're really good people. And you know, so she's settling in now to what it's gonna be like to travel. And she says, well, I have to go through Dallas. What, I have to change planes. I mean, what's this, you know, she's just, you could tell she's working herself up again. And I said, well, they'll help you. It's okay. So we go to our gate, and I thought, I'm sitting there, <laughs> we had a few minutes, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna go back in and check on my new friend, <laughs> see how she's doing. So you see what I did was I decided to step up. And so I went back and sat down next to her and said, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay, I think they're gonna help me. <laughs> it's settling down. So the navigators actually have a ministry at Fort Carson, so I said, you know, I, I don't know. And I gave her my card and I said, if this would be of help to you, you know, I'd be happy to connect your son with Somebody in the ministry, I don't know if faith is a part of your family at home in Alabama, but I just would love to make a connection for your son. He's 19 years old, a lot of choices in front of him, and love to see him make some good choices in life. She said, that would be wonderful. So we get to talking and this and that, and I said, hey, tell you what, before we go, can I just pray with you for a minute? So we just prayed for her trip and her son and all that kind of stuff. And she, she looked at me and says, are you an angel? <laughs> I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not an angel. I don't know about that, but I do know Jesus. I've chosen joy. I find my identity in him by the grace of God. I choose to know him and, and go after him and press on. And I choose to celebrate my citizenship. And you know, I think this is something you do every day. I've got a friend who's a mentor in my life. He's actually navigator number six. And if you know our history, there was a man named Dawson Trotman who led a guy named Les Spencer to Christ, who then discipled Gurney Harris, and you come down the line, and there's navigator number six. He's still alive. His name is Jim Downing. He's 101 years old. And Jim's favorite verse in life, and this is how he lives, is Psalm 118 verse 24. You know this one, but it fits right here. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So as we leave here today, can I suggest choose joy. Choose joy. Recognize your identity in Jesus Christ. Rip up your resume and follow Jesus Christ. Press on to know him. Celebrate your citizenship and go forward. Choose joy. Do you know him? It's a journey, not a destination. And my prayer for all of us is that we'll seek this every single day. Let me pray for us and the team will come up and sing a song. Father God, what a privilege we have to choose joy. What a privilege we have to press in to know you. And my prayer this morning is that this would become 
a reality in all of our lives. Lord Jesus, I think of the words of Jeremiah when he said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, may that be true in our lives. Amen.